Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Trashy Divorces Season 15. Season 15 intro. What are we doing this season, Alicia? Hey, Stacy. Welcome back, everybody. This whole season, every Sunday, we're bringing you Hall of Fame All-Stars. Hey, now. You're an all-star. Five or more divorces. And this week, we are starting with, wow, unbelievable. <laughs> Using the classic from EMF this week for the six wives of Norman Mailer. You may know him as one of the most prolific writers of mm-hmm. the 20th century. Celebrated, well-awarded, well-known, probably well-loved. I know him as kind of the Henry VIII of the 20th century. <laughs> Although Norman Mailer's murders were attempted and not actually successful. Thankfully, from his wife's perspective. Good Lord, it is a hot, trashy mess. We are so glad you're here. Before we kick off this whole new season, I have a magic mirror here to give tremendous love and thanks and praise for these fine folks who showed their love for trashy divorces. Thank you so much for joining us at patreon.com slash trashy divorces. Melissa K, Charlotte I, Kathy R, Lee A, Meg P, Karen, Allison N, Andrea S, Tracy M, Kimberly W, Emily L, and Caroline. Thanks everybody so, so much. We are so grateful for all of our Patreon supporters. Two bucks a month will get you eight episodes ad-free over there. And that's only the beginning of the fun. Season 15, I'm ready to do it. Because you're an all-star. It's going to be unbelievable. What do (laughs) we have to do, Stacey? I think we better go, go, go. Alicia, you're going to be kicking off our summer of all-stars. Who is is today's Hall of Famer? Unbelievable. (laughs) is my Hall of Famer. For those who've been with us a while, you know I have my favorite trashy dirt bags around here. None more favorite love to hate him than Henry VIII. Oh, yeah. Comes to my mind as the pinnacle of trashy. Mm-hmm. We all remember Henry VIII had six wives and was a narcissistic wanker. <laughs> so please let me introduce you to Henry VIII's competition here around trashy divorces. Oh, wow. Norman Mailer. The writer? Uh-huh. Six wives, each story trashier than the next. Wow. Also a narcissistic wanker. Huh. All right. So let's just do a quick overview here. Uh, Norman Mailer, brash, controversial confrontational, often in the headlines for his bad behavior. Norman Mailer is considered one of America's greatest writers, and whatever your feelings about him as a person or a writer, he was certainly one of the most prolific and opinionated chroniclers of the 20th century. You're not, you're just, you're, you're just not ready. Okay. Some of his best known works include Armies of the Night from 1969 and the Executioner Song in 1979. The Executioner Song was based on the life of murderer Gary Gilmore. 
Norman Mailer receives the Pulitzer Prize for both of these works. In addition to his many works of fiction, Mailer's also a journalist, essayist, playwright, and filmmaker. He became a master of the what is called creative nonfiction or the nonfiction novel style. Some other folks who do this, Truman Capote, right, Joan Didion, thinking, yeah. Tom Wolfe, okay. right? Yeah. Mailer's personal life was even more eventful <laughs> and controversial than his professional life, if you can imagine. Norman was married six times and had nine children. Of marriage, Norman Mailer said, There are four stages to marriage. First, there's the affair. Then there's the marriage. Then children. And finally, the fourth stage, without which you cannot know a woman, the divorce. Wow. Jaded. That is, that is a jaded view. His behavior is often aggressive, volatile, insulting, and outrageous. He was also a consistent womanizer and philanderer. While drunken at a party that one time, Norman Mailer was so offended by something his second wife said, so he stabbed her, almost fatally, and then hid from the police for several days afterward. Mm -hmm. But his bizarre and sometimes inexplicable behavior was not exclusively aimed at his wives. In fact, Norman Mailer was arrested at least four times in his life and was confined for over two weeks in the psychiatric ward at Bellevue Hospital. <laughs> Norman Mailer then makes an ill-fated and unrealistic run to become the mayor of New York City. This is what we call well-rounded, Alicia. Mailer publicly challenged professional boxers to fights and will actively fight against women's liberation. Well... The list could go on and on, but Norman Mailer always drawn to controversy, both in his writing and his life. One of his most frequent and public opponents is fellow author and intellectual Gore Vidal. There's a famous episode of the Dick Cavett Show featuring Janet Flanner, Gore Vidal, and Norman Mailer. And Vidal and Mailer display contempt completely. They hate each other. It's a very uncomfortable episode. <laughs> However, as with many of his relationships, Norman Mailer, it was complicated because although they detest each other on so many levels, there's also a great respect for each other underneath the surface. Gore Vidal will write about Norman Mailer. Mailer is forever shouting at us that he is about to tell us something we must know or has just told us something revelatory and we failed to hear him or that he will God grant his poor abused brain and body just one more chance just to get us through so that we will know. Each time he speaks, he must become more bold, more loud, more put on brighter motley and shake more foolish bells. Yet of all my contemporaries, I retain the greatest affection for Norman as a force and as an artist. He is a man whose faults, though many, huh? <laughs> add to rather than subtract from the sum of his natural achievements. Another story that illuminates Norman Mailer's personality and behavior involves, good Lord, Alan Dershowitz and Klaus von Bülow. <laughs> right. Alan Dershowitz writes in his book called Taking the Stand, after the Klaus von Bülow trial, he writes about telling von Bülow that he would not attend a dinner if it was a victory party after his not guilty verdict. 
and Von Bulow says it's merely a dinner for several interesting friends so that Alan Dershowitz agrees to go. When Dershowitz arrives at Von Bulow's dinner, Norman Mailer and his wife are among the guests. Dershowitz was recounting the evidence that pointed to Von Bulow's innocence, and what happens next tells us a great deal about Norman Mailer. According to Alan Dershowitz, after hearing some of the exonerating evidence, Norman Mailer takes his wife's arm and said, let's get out of here. I think this guy's innocent. I thought we were going to be having dinner with a man who actually tried to kill his wife. This is boring. Oh my God. That's a take. And just to give you a little bit of an idea of what is to come when discussing his marriages, we can always lovingly refer back to what Mailer said about women. I don't hate women, but I think they should be kept in cages. <clears throat> There's one more here about what he thinks about women. I think everyone will enjoy this one. The prime responsibility of a woman probably is to be on earth long enough to find the best possible mate for herself and to conceive children who will improve the species. Very, uh, very now, mo modern. He says don't judge him too harshly. He maintains that this is his testimony to the power of women. Norman Mailer, unbelievable trashy dirtbag. Let's get into it. Norman Mailer was born in Long Branch, New Jersey on January 31st, 1923. His father was from South Africa and was always a very stylish dresser who will carry a walking stick hmm. just to add a little panache. Norman's mother, Fanny, is the dominant figure within his life. Fanny will constantly praise her son, Norman. He's clearly her favorite. Fanny calls him perfect and Fanny never strays from this perfect ideal for Norman throughout his life. Norman is doted on. He is pampered. Norman also excels at academics. He'll graduate from high school in 1939 and become a 16-year-old freshman at Harvard the next fall. Wow. Some of his classmates <laughs> remember him showing up in a brand new outfit of green and blue striped pants, a gold brown jacket, and white saddle shoes. Trendsetter. Flashy. If this wasn't enough to draw attention to himself, Norman Mailer then begins telling anyone who would listen about his vast array of sexual experiences, most of which are complete and total lies and untrue. So a bit of a, a bit of a peacock, if you will. Well, he's a peacock at Harvard who started in aeronautical engineering, but quickly falls in love with literature and changes his course of study. I do love this little bit. So in addition to reading feverishly, Norman Mailer gives himself a daily writing quota of 3,000 words. Mailer's theory is that by writing 3,000 words a day, he would get all the bad writing out of his system when he's young. <laughs> That's kind of genius. Let me write all the bad words. I mean, but it's I mean, practice. I guarantee you, if you write 3,000 words a day, you will become pretty good at writing. You'll be a better writer. Yeah. Apparently, this worked for Norman Mailer. In 1941, just two years later, he wins the Story Magazine Prize for Best Short Story Written by an Undergraduate. Get all those bad words out, Gotta, man. Yeah. That sentence sucks. <laughs> Norman graduates from Harvard in 1943 
and begins work on his first novel while waiting to be drafted. Norman is drafted in the spring of 1944 and soon will be sent to the Philippines. Enter first wife. Her name is Beatrice Silverman. B. Norman Mailer meets Beatrice at a concert when he's a junior at Harvard. Beatrice is studying at nearby Boston University and by all accounts, Sweet B is a little more sophisticated and experienced than Mailer. The two were college sweethearts and they will elope in 1943 after Mailer graduates. It is soon after their marriage, though, that Norman was drafted. And Norman, let's just go ahead and add a little trashy TD alum dollop in here. Always reverent of his literary hero, Ernest Hemingway. Norman chose to be drafted instead of enlisting as an officer because he wanted to gather material for a great war novel. Well, it's one way to do it. Mailer feels that having a desk job as an officer would not provide him with the wartime experiences necessary to enhance his superb writing acumen. After all those bad words. Mm -hmm. Norman Mailer does end up writing a novel about his experience in wartime. The novel, The Naked and the Dead, is based on the stories he heard from the 112th Cavalry Regiment, in which he served in the Pacific for 17 months. Beatrice, sweet bee, keeps over a hundred letters that Norman Mailer sends her during the war. Well, he's got that 3,000 word a day. (laughs) (laughs) He uses them as writing notes for his novel that would be published in the spring of 1948. The Naked and the Dead is still ranked among the best war novels ever written. It would be the last time, though, that he was almost universally praised for his writing. After returning from service, Norman and Beatrice, why not, head off to the city of love, Paris. They both take classes on the GI Bill. Beatrice is an officer in the Waves. This is women accepted for volunteer emergency service. A group of women determined to take part in the war enlisted as volunteers in the Navy and Coast Guard both. But during their time in Europe, old Norman, Norm, was set on continuing his education and had a strict self-improvement schedule. Always more politically astute and informed, his wife Beatrice made him aware of the post-war battle between socialism and capitalism, and this theme would be front and center throughout many of his writings going forward. In 1951, Norman Mailer publishes his second book, Barbary Shore, This is a political novel about the struggle between capitalism and socialism. Thanks, wife number one. Mm -hmm. It's not well received, though. It's heavily criticized in reviews. Beatrice and Norman have one child together, a daughter named Susan. They will divorce in 1952, almost a decade in. Yeah. That was mild. Okay. Okay. That was like no hot sauce on your taco. That was real, real mild. Mild salsa. Norman's second wife is Adele Morales. Oh, my. And Norman marries for the second time to Adele Morales in 1954. This marriage is dark and abusive. There are several incidents of Mailer being violent to Adele, including punching her in the stomach when she was six months pregnant. Also, super fun guy Norman. Norman will bully his second wife 
into having group sex with all of his friends. Wow. Okay. Now, all of this is pretty, pretty bad. It's terrible how he treats Adele. However, if we're going to remember something from this particular marriage, it is Mailer's most publicized abuse of Adele Morales when he almost fatally stabs her in 1960 during a party that the couple were hosting in their Upper West Side apartment. This party, actually, there was a reason for it. Unofficially, this was beginning Norman Mailer's New York mayoral campaign. Wow. Uh-huh. And so he invited a bunch of powerful people, and some of them didn't show up, like all of his Politico people. Okay, so he was already in a little... Little, little bit of a temper tantrum. Well, irate, okay. Because the people who do show up are intellectuals and artists, and as well as some other randos that actually weren't invited, but Norman Mailer's disappointed about the turnout of his unofficial announcement of, I'm about to take over New York. Or try to. <laughs> now, Norman, if you hadn't gotten it already, was always a drinker. Always likes a, a little bit of a tipple, Norman does, and... Mailer's frustration and disappointment over this event that he had going so differently in his own brain causes Norman to drink to excess and he becomes belligerent and violent. Oh, goody. Norman goes around and picks arguments and then gets into fights with numerous guests at the party. Oh, so he's just winding up all evening. Winding up. Okay. And then will lose control completely when Adele, his sweet, sweet wife, says something that infuriates him. Adele reportedly tells Norman that he is not as good of a writer as Dostoevsky. I... Wow. And... Okay, continue. Now, how that comes up it's at a, a question. mayoral launch campaign in the Upper West Side in 60, I got no idea. But hey, Norman, Dostoevsky is a better writer than you are. And enraged, Norman Mailer grabs a pen knife and stabs his wife in the chest. Oh, my the God. The wound goes through her breast, barely misses her heart. But apparently, this one act of, oh, God, I just lost it, was not enough for Mailer. So he will then stab her in the back. Oh, this is horrifying. Just wait, it gets worse. Guests, naturally, reach to help Adele Mm -hmm. as she lay bleeding on the floor. Norman Mailer reportedly yells, get away from her, let the bitch die. This is absolutely terrible. After stabbing his wife, Norman leaves the party and goes to friend and fellow writer's home, this is Norman Potteritz. Potteritz will write about the incident in his book called Ex-Friends. <laughs> <laughs> Good title. Potteritz writes, Mailer came to his apartment building and called out to him under his window. Potteritz was sleeping and never heard Mailer yelling for him, so Mailer went somewhere else to hide. However, Potteritz did meet with Mailer during the time he was hiding out. He goes on the fucking lamb. Okay, sorry. I mean, he just stabbed his wife twice. Eventually, he was the one who went with Mailer to the police station to turn himself in. Potteritz was appalled by the way that Mailer was treated with, quote, great respect and deference because he was a famous writer, unquote. And he knew that most people would not have been treated that way if they were not considered an important person. What happens to Adele? Adele spends many days in the hospital, 
attempting to recover from her injuries. And while there, oh, Adele decides to forgive her husband, Norman, and refused to press charges. Okay. Welcome to the cycle of abuse. Mm -hmm. That's that's what Mm -hmm. it looks like. Mm -hmm. And despite Adele wishing not to press charges, Norman Mailer is still charged with felonious assault. Good. However, instead of any jail or prison time, Norman Mailer was committed to the Bellevue Hospital Mental Ward. The medical report states, in my opinion, Norman Mailer is having an acute paranoid breakdown with delusional thinking and is both homicidal and suicidal. His admission to a hospital is urgently advised. The interesting part, though, of this bit is that Norman Mailer is evaluated by a general physician who writes that general report. Mailer is not evaluated by a psychiatrist as required by law. No, this sounds like something that, again, a person with strings to tug at got worked out with the with the system. Uh-huh. Those are strings, Pinocchio. In court, Norman Mailer said, Naturally, I've been a little upset, but I've never been out of my mental faculties. I only saw Dr. Rosenberg for 30 seconds or a minute. It's important for me not to be sent to a mental hospital because my work will be considered that of a disordered mind. Dude, you stabbed your wife. It's that or jail, yeah. <laughs> My pride is that I can explore areas of experience that other men are afraid of. I insist I am sane. In response, the presiding judge said, Your recent history indicates that you cannot distinguish fiction from reality. In your interest and the public interest, I have to commit you. Norman Mailer here was released after 17 days. He eventually pleads guilty to a lesser charge of third-degree assault and was given a suspended sentence for stabbing his wife. Yeah, that's... Norman and Adele do have two daughters, Danielle and Elizabeth, during their marriage. These two divorce in 1962. This is after eight years of marriage. And after Mailer's passing in 2007, Adele's only comment was, and I think this really probably means a lot, he was a monster. Wow. End of story. He was a monster. That's a quote. Holy cats. That's two wives up and down. Let's take a break here. Hear from our sponsors this week. We will resume with wives Three, four, five, and six, because it's going to get a little sticky mm. in here because, well, it's Norman Mailer. <laughs> we will see you on the flip. Sibling fights are unavoidable, but what if every fight you had was under a microscope on a global scale? That's the reality for brothers Prince William and Prince Harry. They were each other's closest friends and allies since the death of their mother, but that all began to crack as they married and took wildly different approaches to their royal duties. Wondery's podcast, Dis and Tell, is hosted by comedians Sydney Battle and Matt Belisai. Each episode unpacks one of pop culture's most iconic celebrity feuds, and they recently took a deeper look into the real reason William versus Harry started. It's actually much bigger than these two brothers, stretching back into the history of the British monarchy. Did their feud start with the royal family's mistreatment of Meghan Markle, or was it something that started much earlier? Follow Disintel on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey, Trash Pandas, when you need a brain break from your day, let me recommend the game June's Journey for Android and iPhone. It's a hidden object mystery game where you are solving a murder, uncovering family secrets, and, I don't know, exposing official corruption? All in an extremely stylish 1920s setting. Every scene takes you deeper into the mystery and introduces you to an expansive cast of characters as June Parker explores the questions surrounding her sister's apparent murder-suicide at the family's beachfront estate. Add your own elements to the island from lush gardens to gorgeous new buildings. This story has so many twists and turns. Right now, we are on a global journey attempting to rescue June's niece, Virginia. It's a great combo of gameplay. It's a memory puzzle, a design project, an intriguing storyline with genuinely fabulous art. When you want to let your mind wander, relax into this glorious 1920s murder mystery and get lost in the fun. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Dear Colgate, I love that you love that I love being at home. You even let me whiten my teeth from home. Because you know how I feel about getting up from my cloud couch. The Colgate Optic White LED Kit gives professional-level results in just 10 minutes a day for 10 days when used as directed. And that's why, Colgate, I want you to meet my parents. Because ever since meeting you, I've been living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. The ladies of the Oak Tree Group are celebrating our all-star season 15 with this PSA inspired by Smash Mouth. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get paid. Getting paid is only half the battle. The amount you keep and put to work for you makes the difference in your life. All that glitters is gold. Only shooting stars break the mold. And even the stars need some help every now and then. The three financial strategists of the Oak Tree Group know all about breaking molds. Yep, what a concept. I could use a little fuel myself, and we could all use a little change. Take advantage of their free one-hour consultation offer. Fuel up on the power of knowledge and see the change you can bring into your financial world. Well, the years start coming, and they don't stop coming. Hey, it's never too late to start making more informed decisions about your financial matters, but the years do fly by before you know it. That's right. You'll never know if you don't go to www.theoaktreegroup.net for more information or call 770-319-1700 for your free one-hour consultation. That phone number again is 770-319-1700. You'll never shine if you don't glow. All right, Alicia. So we have so many more wives to go. We're starting with three, I believe. Hopefully she survives. Third wife. This one's a little bit legendary. Lady Jean Campbell. Hmm. Hmm. The ink is barely dry on Norman Mailer's divorce from Adele when he will marry his third wife, Lady Jean Campbell. Follow my trash pandas are trying to place this. Lady Jean is the daughter of Ian Campbell, the 11th Duke of Argyle. 
and the favorite granddaughter of multimillionaire Max Aitken, Lord Beaverbrook. We've talked about all of this and we still have to get into Margaret of Argyle. Oh, and the Sweeney divorces. Anyway, it all connects. This is the daughter of Ian Campbell, the 11th Duke of Argyle. I'm just stuck on Beaverbrook, but okay. We've talked about Lord Beaverbrook before. Mm-hmm. Anyway, not germane to this story. I need you to know that Lady Jean Campbell has quite a reputation on her own, not being the daughter of anyone. She's had a number of famous lovers in her life. Let's go through the list. John F. Kennedy. <laughs> Nikita Khrushchev. Wow. Fidel Castro. How many sides are you playing? Randolph Churchill. Wow. Oswald Mosley. And Ian Fleming. Huh. Lady Jean Campbell was also in a very long-term affair with Time Magazine creator Henry R. Luce when she will meet Norman Mailer and become pregnant with their daughter. Now, the marriage between Lady Jean Campbell and Norman Mailer is the marriage of two people, both with enormous personalities and egos. Norman Mailer describes his third wife as, quote, a remarkable girl, almost as interesting, complex, and Machiavellian as myself. So, Possib- good times. Possibly a good pairing, then. I don't know. Jean Campbell, not just known for her legendary love affairs, she's also a correspondent for the Evening Standard. Jean Campbell's witty and intelligent. She's very well-read. In 1962, Jean and Norman have their only child, a daughter named Kate, and the marriage is tumultuous. Uh, There's no stabbing here, but Norman Mailer will once dangle Lady Jean Campbell by the ankles from his second story window. So that's problematic. That's really problematic. I mean, he put down the penknife, but turned you over the balcony. what could go wrong? Well, it turns out Lady Jean Campbell didn't really like uh, upside-down kind of life. Mm -hmm. She'll leave him after only a year of marriage. Good. Not because of the dangling me from the second-story balcony incident. I don't think that helped. But because Lady Jean Campbell finds out he's having an affair. And dangles her. Okay. After Lady Jean leaves Norman, Norman will write a very unflattering portrait of her (laughs) in his book, An American Dream. There is a character of the bitch. Yeah, just that's the characters, the bitch. Uh, Lady Jean Campbell later calls this novel the hate book of all time. Yeah. Now, don't worry, though. Lady Jean Campbell will end up writing about Norman Mailer also. (laughs) Not in a novel, but in her unpublished memoirs. Lady Jean will write, We fought so much we could empty a room quicker than any couple in New York. (laughs) We could arrive at a party and even the hosts would put their hats and coats on and leave. That is super toxic. Okay, think about all the people existing in the early 1960s in New York and everybody we've talked about. And it's these two that empty a room faster than anybody with all the bad relationships. I just thought that was such a great quote. Mm -hmm. Empty the room quicker than any couple in New York. We'd arrive at a party and the hosts would put on their hats and coats. Out of there. Okay, remarkably, later in their lives, Lady Jean Campbell and Norman Mailer do have a close friendship and bond, which is weird, but whatever floats your boat, Lady Jean. Let's bring back Gore Vidal, Norman Mailer's rival. We'll ask Jean Campbell why she became involved with Mailer in the first place. 
And Lady Jean Campbell replies, because I never slept with a Jew before. Well, no, because you've been too busy with Kennedy, Khrushchev, Castro, uh-huh. Churchill, Mosley, and Fleming. Yeah. That's kind of an international tour of men, it's Lady really, Jean. Yeah. The marriage will end in 1963, just a brief year later, when Lady Jean Campbell discovers that Norman Mailer is having an affair with a woman named Beverly Bentley. That same year, Beverly Bentley will become Norman Mailer's fourth wife. Not exactly shocking, given that that's sort of how they got together, right? They were an affair when he was still married to Adele. Sure, and let's legitimize the daughter. Legitimacy is going to come up again just very briefly. Uh, in, oh, okay. Norman Mailer. <laughs> All right. Norman Mailer again, guy who just can't sit on his laurels, wastes no time in marrying for the fourth time. This time, the bride is a beautiful model and actress. Her name is Beverly Bentley. Beverly Bentley, back in the day, worked as a hostess on several popular game shows in the 1950s and early 1960s, including my all-time favorite, The Price is Right. (laughs) Now, Beverly Bentley is no slouch in the romantically linked department. She's dated all kinds of people. Eddie Fisher. Oh, wow. Andy Griffith. Miles Davis. Beverly has also spent a little time with Ernest Hemingway in Spain, watching bullfighting and celebrating old Ernie's birthday. Is that what they call it? Apparently. Take a holiday in Spain. So in the late 1960s, Norman Mailer has now decided to dabble in movies. Because why not? Sure. He's writing and directing and he will cast his wife, Beverly, in some of his projects, including Maidstone in 1970, <laughs> in which Mailer writes, directs, and stars in. I don't know if you remember. This is old school trashy. Actor Rip Torn also starred in the film. And here, Norman Mailer and Rip Torn get into a fight. And the fight starts off as part of a scene, but quickly turns very real with Rip Torn Hitting Mailer in the head with the hammer? Wow. Norman Mailer retaliates naturally by biting part of Rip Torn's ear off. Okay. I told... Trashy all-stars. I can't... like. This this is is why we need the whole episode. It's just too terrible to... This is a true crime podcast now, folks. (laughs) As Beverly Bentley... And their real-life children looked on in oh, horror. Oh, my God. Beverly tries to break up the fight and is eventually successful. Beverly Bentley and others have said that Norman Mailer was ruthlessly critical of her acting and publicly criticized her often. Not surprisingly, their marriage is tumultuous. Mm. Huh. But, hey, I mean, as far as I know, she kept both of her ears, so... Got that going for her. I'm just saying, Norman Mailer is terrible. Out of control. Unbelievable. You thought you'd heard unbelievable with Henry VIII. No, let me introduce you to my, you not my friend, Norman Mailer. All right. It is during his marriage to Beverly Bentley that Norman will be awarded both of his Pulitzer Prizes and National Book Award. Wow. Although by his second Pulitzer Prize, the couple had been long separated. Oh, Beverly, sweet Beverly, and Norman during their marriage have two sons together, Michael and Stephen. The couple will separate sometime in late 1969 or early 1970. There is a long estrangement and a legal battle 
that goes 10 years. The couple don't actually divorce until 1980. Wow. He's got to put a crimp in his future marrying habits. It's going well. (laughs) He's got a few more kids. Sure. He's got two more wives. Yep. So you didn't want it to crimp his style, that 10-year waiting period Mm -hmm. between a divorce. This is really the boomerang. (sighs) Okay, hold on. This is going to... I don't want it to be confusing, but... Just everybody take a breath right now. <sighs> Wife number five, Carol Stevens. Now, Norman Mailer is already living with jazz singer Carol Stevens for several years before his divorce from Beverly Bentley is finalized. In fact, Norman and Carol have a daughter together while he's still married to Beverly. Norman Mailer and Carol Stevens lived together from 1969 to 1975, All years while Norman is still married to wife number four, Beverly. In 1971, Norman and Carol's daughter Maggie is born, and their relationship ends in 1975, about five years prior to Norman divorcing Beverly number four. Being single. However, although Norman Mailer and Carol Stevens hadn't been a couple since 1975, they decided in 1980 to get married. Oh, so the right. This is what you were saying about legitimacy will come up again. Okay, so by that time, 1980, Norman Mailer is already in a relationship and living with the woman who will become his sixth wife. He had proposed to wife number six before divorcing wife number four. Is this confusing? Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. But Norman Mailer has to make a little bit of a pit stop at the wife number five depot first. Because Mailer decides that before he would marry his wife number six, he needed to marry his wife number five in order to legitimize the daughter they had together when he was still married to wife number four. Let that sink in. The 70s were a confusing time, Alicia. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot happening. Before I can marry six, I need to marry five, who had a kid with while I was still married to number four. Mm -hmm. Okay, I know it's confusing, but I think that sets it up. But wait, I think we have a new Trashy Divorces record. So Norman Mailer and Carol Stevens agree to get married. The two marry in Haiti on November the 7th, 1980. The two will divorce in Haiti on November 8th, 1980. One day marriage. One day. That's... Henry VIII and Jane Seymour remarried after 11 days after Bolin's death. Right. One day, right. married and divorced. You know, they they asked around about, hey, <laughs> where can we get a insta-marriage, insta-divorce? One day. Okay. But it actually gets a little stranger because during marriage number five, the one-day marriage the one day. for the sole purpose of legitimizing daughter Maggie... Norman Mailer's divorce from Beverly Bentley was still in litigation and not yet final. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, for a day, he was also a bigamist. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's just too much. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. But only in Haiti. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, we are to the sixth <laughs> wife. This is Norris Church Mailer. Norman Mailer's final wife was the wife that he was married to for the longest time. Okay. Over 30 years. The two were married right up to his death in 2007. 
Norris Church is born Barbara Jean Davis in Arkansas. She's an aspiring model and actress and later becoming a very accomplished artist and writer. Now, here's the... Nope. I need you to put that down. Okay. Here's another little boomerang you're never going to see coming. Old Barbara Jean Davis from Arkansas amazingly says she has a brief fling with a 27-year-old Bill Clinton when she was in her 20s. All right. In her memoir, A Ticket to the Circus, Barbara Jean Davis, Norris Church Mailer, writes about Bill Clinton. He was just 27 years old, single, and named Bill Clinton. I came in late, just as he began his talk. And he later said that when he saw me walk in, he forgot his speech. Then he forgot his name. (laughs) I suspected he said that same thing to quite a few women, but it's a good line, so why not use it? (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like old Bill. It is Norris Church Mailer, who most people feel tame Norman Mailer. When they met, she was 26. He was twice her age. They met when he comes to Arkansas to promote a book, and they have an instant chemistry, and she follows him back to New York along with her son from a previous marriage, whom Norman Mailer would adopt. There's an interview from CBS Sunday Morning Show where Norris Church Mailer tells interviewer Anthony Mason that when the couple became serious, Mailer told her that he wanted to try monogamy. <laughs> After six marriages, let's see how it goes. He said he wanted to see how deep a relationship could be when you didn't cheat, didn't lie, and were totally honest with somebody. Uh, That's like just a big bucket of red flags. Well, the the Norris gets the red flag acknowledgement, red light return, red Mm -hmm. flag light return there. Norris said that for about eight years, Norman Mailer was monogamous. Then she became suspicious and she looked in his desk drawer and found letters from numerous Mm -hmm, women. mm -hmm. When Norris confronted Norman, he pleaded with her, you must stay. He tells her to, you ready? Rise above it. (laughs) Wow. Norris Church Mailer does stay. She said she loved her life, loved her kids, and I didn't want to break up another family. She will admit that after she found out about his cheating and lying, quote, we had a good relationship. We just had a different one. I never really trusted him again, but I still loved him. Yeah, that's, I mean, eyes open, right? Make your choice. Like, it's hers to make. Norris and Norman were married for 33 years. Norman Mailer died on November the 10th, 2007, from acute renal failure at the age of 84. By his bedside was a witty and clever self-penned obituary, beginning with, Norman Mailer passed away yesterday after celebrating his 15th divorce and 16th (laughs) wedding. (laughs) His self-penned obituary is not the one that would be running countless newspapers and media outlets when the news of his death was released. Norman Mailer, trashy wanker, trash can count, Unlimited. I, I can, Unlimited. I can see... Infinity. This summer's going to be fun. This summer's going to be amazing. We are so excited. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in 
to listen to the beginning of our summer Hall of Fame All-Stars. Yeah, this summer's going to be lit. I believe so, yeah. Fireworks. This is great. All-Star Hall of Fame champs. There's number one. You're going to be back next Sunday with your first up Hall of Famer. Mm -hmm. In between then, though, you'll have us Wednesday for Trashy Something and our summer full of delight. Yep. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Keep your hands clean, friends. Oh, my gosh. Keep those hearts trashy. Continue up your summertime fun, but really. Yep. Norman Mailer. (laughs) Wow. Big love, y'all. Catch you soon. See you Wednesday. Bye. Bye. And thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia by us, Stacey and Alicia, with a little research and writing help from the brilliant Melissa O. Our art is by Sydney V. Smith. That's Sydney V. Smith at CarbonMade.com. And our music is used with permission of Ratsy. Check her out at Ratsy's store on Instagram. And definitely drop into Ratsy's store anytime you're in Oberlin, Ohio. You can contact us at TrashyDivorces at gmail.com or find us on the World Wide Web at TrashyDivorces.com. If you need more trash candy in your life, our Patreon community includes some of the very best humans around and thousands of hours of bonus content at every level of support. Join the fun at Patreon.com slash TrashyDivorces. Interested in some Trashy Divorces swag? Check out our merch shop and Trash Panda Enthusiasm Society at bit.ly slash trashy gear. Want to advertise with us? Reach out to sales at advertisecast.com for more information. And last but not least, come play with us on social media. I keep most of our Trashy Divorces Instagram hopping. Stacy and I share it up over on Facebook, including our Trashy Divorces podcast discussion group. Come join us over there and thanks again everybody for listening. Keep it trashy y'all.